Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. We are uh, kind of in the second part of an extended series. First uh, was the book of Acts, uh, excuse me, the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. We're following Jesus as a man. Uh, empowered by the Spirit and, and trying to um, learn life from Him, what Spirit-empowered life would look like in that case. Then we have begun now this conversation in the book of Acts, uh, which focuses on uh, the church um, and what it looks like for a whole community to be empowered by the Spirit, both individual and, and, in, their, and in their communal life. Um, and so today we're in Acts chapter 4. Uh, last week, uh, Darren uh, walked you through Acts chapter 3, uh, which is a story of Peter and John coming to the temple and, and inviting a man who had sat there uh, begging uh, without any other resource uh, and who, as a result of the work of the Spirit, uh, was raised to dance in the presence of God. Um, and I think it's important as we try and, and kind of get into this story that we realize that, that Peter and John were just kind of minding their own business. They were not looking for somebody to heal. They were not looking around for some uh, need to meet necessarily. It's just that because they had been filled with the Spirit Day of Pentecost, they were able to recognize what the Spirit was doing in their spaces, in their environments, and move with the flow of the Spirit without anxiety over being whether they were going to be successful or, or, or whatever. Their job was successful if they went with the flow of the Spirit. Outcomes were less important to them than obedience was. Does that, does that make sense? Um, and as a way to think into this a little bit, I want to um, kind of reframe it just a tad. Uh, around these lines, I uh, heard a long time ago that the number one fear of people, the number one fear of people is being weightless, of, of not leaving an impression, of not making an impact, of living my whole life, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 900 years... And, 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 and within days after my death, uh, being all but forgotten by, but by a handful of, 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 of people. Of going through my whole life without making a difference, without being significant. So the fear of weightlessness. Uh, and I, and I, I've been thinking about this. Actually, I wrote on it yesterday um, just because it has circulated because that fear is what drives most of what I do. And I'm wondering if that might be the same with many of us uh, in, in the room. Uh, the, the fear of what people are going to think, the fear of, of not making a difference, of not leaving an, making an impression, uh, the, the fear, that fear kind of drives 
uh, a lot of conversation, a lot of, uh, of, 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 of behavior, because um, fear is, is pretty powerful. How many, how many, if I change the language a little bit from fear to anxiety, does that, does that resonate now a little bit? We don't use the word fear. We use insecurity. I'm, I'm, and we don't even use it because to name it is to give it a certain kind of power over us, right? How much of our relationships between our, our, our close friends, family, husband, wife, boyfriend, girl, is really driven by insecurity? We're, we're having con- Anybody else have conversations in your head without the other person actually being in the room? We're trying to figure out how to say what we want to say in such a way that, that, that it will, will... We do this all the time. And, and of course, fear is, 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 uh, that, that is, is fueled like that grows. Uh, it doesn't shrink. Uh, when we do out of fear, we become more fearful. Right? When we do out of insecurity... Even when we succeed, we're convinced that it was a mistake, right? That something went sideways and, and we just lucked out on that one, and right? Um, and, and the fact is, fear has an odor to it. It has a stench to it. And that's what you smelled in the upper room between Friday and Sunday, between crucifixion and resurrection. On that Saturday, they were gathered in that upper room, doors and windows locked as tight as they could be because they were afraid. What if they come after us next? Where are we going to go? In fact, some of them had scattered already to different parts of the city so that they're not easily rounded up in the in, in in the upper room, and it's and it's interesting. You would think that after resurrection, after good for, after after that Easter Sunday, that they wouldn't be afraid anymore. That they would recognize that if we follow someone who has the power of of life over death, we don't need to be afraid. But the fact of the matter is, they their their fear was still very real it wasn't necessarily always fear of the romans and the jews and so on and so forth it was well what now what does the future look like what what's going to happen to us what's going to become of us and that drivenness that fear that sense of 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 what next is all the way through the gospels so this story is a fascinating one because what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and fills up people who are afraid? What happens when the Holy Spirit comes and fills up an anxious generation? Because, I mean, you've heard me say this before, but uh, this generation, this 20-something postmodern generation that we are handing the world to in the next few decades is the most anxious, the most dedicated, uh, uh, medicated, the most addicted culture in the history of the world. And of course, a lot of our addictions, a lot of our, our self-soothing behaviors are about what? Masking the fear. Masking the fear. Masking the fear. 
So what happens when the Holy Spirit comes to people who have about them the stench of fear? What happens? Well, in chapter 3, we discover what happens. Having been filled with the Spirit, they go about their ordinary, everyday, minding their own business business. And there's a guy there who has the inability to walk. He's lame. And they raise him. Silver and gold have we none. Silver and And what's fascinating is that the guy, as Darren talked about this last week, it's just amazing to me, for the first time in his entire life, is able to go into the temple. His deformity disabled him from entrance to the temple. And when he could walk, the very first place he went was into the temple of God to offer praise and worship. That's fascinating to me. And unfortunately, nobody had told him the protocols of appropriate worship when one hasn't been able to walk for 40 years. There's a, there's a, a, a paragraph, subsection C, subpoint 1A, that informs persons who have been unable to walk for 40 years that they ought to conduct themselves with a certain measure of decorum and respect for the place. In other words, no dancing and leaping and shouting. There are times and places for that. We're not quite sure when those are, but it's not now, and it's not here. Well, of course, things are getting out of hand. The people who had walked past him for decades see him now in the temple celebrating the goodness of God and they start to get excited because when somebody starts to vibrate with the glory of God, it is not long before those in proximity begin to vibrate with the glory of God too. And this is where we pick up our story. People who are in charge, you all know who they are, get anxious. So I'm going to read through the whole chapter pretty much. I tried to figure out how to edit this down uh, to support my sermon, and I realized that this is, in fact, the inspired Word of God, and anything I say about it isn't. Um, so this is more important than what I talk about. So let's read the thing. Acts chapter one, uh, uh, 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard came. The Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were just trying to explain what had happened. They were, they were giving testimony to the goodness of Jesus in the raising of this man. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people. Why were they disturbed? Because the apostles were teaching? Because they themselves were the teachers. We can't have random strangers standing up and just teaching in the temple, who knows what kind of heresy is going to happen, right? And it is our job to make sure that that doesn't happen so they're disturbed. And so they are disturbed further because they are proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, and they didn't have time to go through the trial, they put him in jail until the next day. Problem was... Many heard the message and believed, so that the number of men who believed grew now to about 5,000. That's amazing, right? So then we go on. Next day, the rulers, the elders, the priests, the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, others of the high priest family. They had John, uh, Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power... 
Or what name did you do this? What's the authority base for what we are seeing happen here? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Please notice how often that phrase occurs in the book of Acts as we go through. Said to them, rulers, elders of the people. Now, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, if that's what this is about, and are being asked how he was healed. I love the way Peter just takes charge, right? He didn't ask for this fight. Did you notice this? He was just minding his own business. Now, here's the deal with Peter. The fear of that Saturday had been completely replaced by the boldness that comes with being filled with the Spirit. Do you see what we're doing here? And, and so his business now became the business of the kingdom. His business, his own business, now became the work of the kingdom. The bringing of the life of the kingdom into that environment. So here he is. If this is what you're asking is, how did, how did this guy get healed? Well, yeah, that's simple. It's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. But whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Because Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become now the cornerstone. And there is salvation found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. A couple of things, just real quick before we move on. Please notice, the Holy Spirit does not come to do sideshow tricks. The Holy Spirit comes to bear witness to Jesus. The Holy Spirit invites people into the dance of love with Jesus. He is not interested in you admiring Him. He is interested in you falling in love with Jesus. So the very first thing that Peter says is, filled with the Holy Spirit, isn't the Holy Spirit cool? He doesn't say that. He says, isn't Jesus cool? That's why we're here. That's what this is about. This Jesus whom you crucified, God decided to overrule you. And that's the name that we proclaim. So please notice, we come back around here again, that Jesus is the center of the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not draw attention to himself. He doesn't do sideshows. He doesn't do shtick. He glorifies Jesus. And when Jesus is not glorified by the work of the Spirit, the Spirit stops doing His work. At least in terms of the miraculous. If the miracles don't point to Jesus, if they're not signs of the glory of God, the Spirit backs off. Does that make sense? You'll see this as we go on through the book of Acts. So, when they saw the courage... Of Peter and John. Please notice, when they saw the courage, because you can imagine what this must have been like. The Sanhedrin is a group of estimates ranged between 75 and 100 uh, different scholars and authorities. This is standing in, our, in, in, in essential, and this is the supreme command, if you will, of what Judaism is in Jerusalem. And these are two fishermen from Podunkville. They're nothing and nobody, right? And they're called before the supreme court if you will, with all of the justices, with all of the press, with all of the people. And what is it that is remarkable to these guys is their courage. 
What happened to the fear of Saturday? Well, Jesus has been raised from the dead, and these guys have been filled with the Spirit. That's what's happened. Courage is the outcome. They realized that they had, were unschooled. They were ordinary men. They, had, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. You know I'm going to stop here. Because the Spirit does not come to empower the without Jesus life. The Holy Spirit comes to empower the with Jesus life. Does that make sense? If Jesus is the center of the Spirit's heart, passion, and song, He will not empower the without Jesus life. So, when these guys are under the microscope of this legal examination, the questions uh, quickly ascertain. These guys are not educated in the rabbinic schools. They don't have any authorization to teach what they're teaching. But the fact is, um, they're they're ordinary men. They're just like, like, they're plain as dirt. There's no real significance between them and anybody else. There's no real difference. And this, of course, then forms a huge part of the gospel, uh, excuse me, the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts is the story of ordinary people, just like you and me, filled with the Spirit, living their ordinary lives in supernatural ways. They don't live somebody else's life, they live their life. Peter and John were minding their own business. Does that make sense? So what this is going to look like for us all is going to be somewhat different depending on what your business is. But their business uh, was in this day uh, to bear witness to Jesus just like our business is to bear witness to Jesus. So, since they saw that the man who had been... I love this next slide. Since they saw, they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. It's really hard to argue miracle when he's dancing, right? Really hard to push back against what has happened when you've got the guy with the signpost on the, the corner of Beach and, and Edinger, right? Have you ever seen that guy? Holy cow, he's good. Anyway, um, so, so you, you, and, 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 and of course, the sign that this guy's flipping points to Jesus. What can we say? What can we say? We're stuck. There he is. He's dancing. So, they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then confer together. What are we going to do with these men? Anybody start to feel the stench in the room? Start to feel the stink, sense the stink of fear? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're the guys that are in charge of the authorized power of God. We're the ones that determine what is orthodox. And un- We're the ones who are in charge here. What are we going to do? I love that question. What are we going to do? Well, everybody in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign, and we can't deny it. So, to stop this, and this is their best, but... You know you're scraping the bottom of the barrel of ideas when this is your best shot. Uh, We know that to, to stop the spreading any further from among the people, we must warn them not to speak any longer in this name. 
That's really going to be helpful. Right? So here, look what happens. So they bring Peter and John back in again. They called them in, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And of course, Peter just calls their bluff. Which is right. In God's eyes. You see what Peter's doing here? He's getting right to the very heart of what makes us the most anxious of all generations. Because we are not so much concerned about what's right in God's eyes, we are very concerned about what's right in man's eyes. And we've got our list of people before whom we live, before whom we perform, whose approval we long for so that we know that we're okay. Everybody, you got your list? And Peter, who previously had a list, doesn't have a list anymore. He's just got one name on his list. Right? I don't really care what anybody else thinks of me. I don't care, guys, what you think of me. The end of the day, if it's in God's eyes that I live, and my Father has already declared His love for me, His approval of me, His pride in me, I think I'm going to go with God. It's nice if you agree with God about what's true concerning me, but not necessary. And if you and God disagree about what's true concerning me, I'm, I'm going to vote with God on this one. That's right? So, well, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to Him? You, you, you be the judges. You're the experts in theology. I love that. As for us, and this, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Why? I don't know if you, you, you recognize this, but you can't breathe in. without breathing out. You want, anybody want to experiment? You can't. When the Spirit is what fills you, sooner or later what comes out will be praise, glory to God. That's what's going to happen. We can't help it. When the Spirit fills us, we speak. So we, you can tell us what to say and not to say. We may even want to obey you. But when we are filled with the Spirit, we can't help speak what we have seen and heard. So he goes on. They go back after further threats, which were equally effective. They let them go. They couldn't decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. Boy, doesn't that just ruin your day? For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Which I think is a wonderful connection because then, as now, once you're past 40, nothing new is going to happen. So apparently this is a real miracle that has taken place here. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, all of the people raised their voices together in prayer to God. Please notice, just real quick, nobody's starting to freak out. Nobody's panicking. Peter and John are not exceptional here. This whole community, hearing what has happened, hearing the threats that, by the way, these guys had the power to execute. Remember, they had seen to the death of Jesus. It's not like these guys are powerless. 
But when they hear similar threats made against them, report them to the community, instead of cowering in terror on a Saturday in the dark, listen to their response. They pray, Sovereign Lord. I love how that begins, don't you? Sovereign Lord is the Greek in the Greek here is the same language that's used in the Old Testament and refer to God as the, as the Lord of hosts. You're the supreme commander. You're the commander-in-chief of all of the armies. You're the sovereign Lord. Then he goes on. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And you spoke by, your, by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage? And the people plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise up. The rulers band together against the Lord and against His anointed one. Indeed, Herod, Pontius Pilate, met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Just side note, did you notice how these uneducated, unlearned men had begun to do high, high level theological reflection in the power of the Spirit? They are recognizing in the life of Jesus, in the actions of the Romans, in the actions of the high priest, the hand of God at work, setting in motion a plan to save the world. And already, within 15 or 20 minutes of the resurrection, well, that's not quite true, within five years or so of the resurrection, they are theologically reflecting on what has gone on here. So, Lord, consider their threats. (laughs) And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal. Perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then this last line. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. So this is, this is our text this morning. And I think it's important for us to recognize a couple of very basic things here. First of all, their own business, empowered by the Spirit, uh, is bearing witness to the reality of Jesus. So they are seeing the courage, they are hearing this, the Holy Spirit has equipped these men to, in, in, in the middle of what they do, to... to, 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 to um, uh, bear witness to who, to who Jesus is. And I think it's critical for us, just to kind of frame this a little bit, to realize that these guys are not itching for a fight. They're not, they're not going and protesting. They're just doing what the Spirit is leading them into in the moment. Um, and so the persecution that comes which is legitimate and real, uh, is, is in fact a pushback to the work of God. And the reason I say that is because a lot of times, I think we as Christians do incredibly stupid things. 
in Jesus' name. And then when we get pushback to that, claim that we're being persecuted. You're not being persecuted. You were an idiot. Is, is, it, is it safe to say that? They, these guys are just, they're, they're just going into the temple to pray, right? And they see it. They see the work of this. Oh, the Holy Spirit's working to heal this. Let's, let's get on board with what the Spirit is doing. We're not, they didn't ask the Spirit to bless what they were doing. They discerned what the Spirit was doing and wanted to be part of it. Don't you? Right? But when that happens at work, at school, with your roommate, in your marriage, don't be surprised if there might be some pushback. But please notice, that's very different than being an idiot in Jesus' name. Right? And, 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 and getting involved in things that the Spirit is not involved in. And then when there's social pressure or, 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 or people push back, proclaiming that we're being persecuted. No, you're not being persecuted. You are unwise. Right? So, so in this, Peter, and, they're, 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 they're just doing what now comes naturally. Because the life in the Spirit is the new normal. This is what they're... They've been invited into. What else would we do but get in line with what the Spirit is doing? And again, to underline this, the work of the Spirit for them in the minding of their own business is different than it will be for you all. My guess, right? Because some of you got to go to work tomorrow. Yeah? Is the Spirit only good for raising lame people at the gate beautiful on your way into temple? Or can the Holy Spirit help you glorify God by the way you add the column of figures in, in your bookkeeping operation? Is the Spirit of God capable of helping you teach those preschoolers? Right? Is the Spirit of God capable to help you with that engineering problem? Is the Spirit of God help, capable of helping you at the break with that coworker who for whatever reason today comes in and you can read him or her like a book, and you know what the Holy Spirit is doing. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to stink with the fear of rejection? Or are you, empowered by the Holy Spirit, going to bear witness to the reality of the resurrected Christ? Those are the choices you get. It will be. It will be. It will. It will. Come, it will. It will. It will come in an email. And as you read the email, something in you will will quicken, and you will recognize God is up to something in this person, way beyond the complaint that she is is giving me, or way beyond the compliment that she is giving. God is up to something here. I had a, a couple of weeks ago. I had the um, privilege. The, the reason this tweaks is because this happened to me this morning. I, 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 a couple of weeks ago, to, I don't know when it was, I had the privilege of, of speaking on Our Power, with, with, with which you may have some familiarity. It used to be Chris Cathedral, now it's Shepherd's Grove and, and uh, uh, television. And, and I discovered afterwards, because I thought I was just doing the local Sunday morning service, right? And then I discovered, no, this is, this is going out in Our Power. There's five million people 
who are going to watch this. I would address up. But anyway, um, so, so I'm, do, I'm doing, and, and you know, I, 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 so the telecast two, two weeks after, I've kind of forgotten what I did because um, I'm o- over 40. And, and anyway, so, so we're there. And, 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 and then I start getting some emails from people. And they go, thank you for this and that. It was, what about, why did you say that? Right? And this morning now, I got an email from England. From so I have no idea how this person got my email address, but there it is. This is odd. I've never done this ever before, but I couldn't sleep last night. And I'm flipping through the telly channels and came across this and I didn't fall asleep. That, that was the compliment. I, you kept me awake. Right? I'm not... Religious myself. But I just thought I would write. How many of you recognize the Holy Spirit's up to something? And I don't, I don't know if it's man or a woman. But I'm going to write her back, or him back, and I'm going to say, thank you for your note. Pay attention. You're in the crosshairs of love. Why? Because the Spirit is moving. The Spirit is moving. Now, that doesn't just happen to me. That happens to all of us ordinary, everyday people. The guy who comes, the next customer comes in the door. Pay attention. What's the Spirit doing? I want to bless what the Spirit's doing, not ask Him to bless what I'm doing. Right? When I do that, I'm going to get some pushback. Right? Maybe. Sometime. Sometimes people might dance who have never danced before in their lives. I have a friend who, um, who has, a, has a boutique in, in Huntington Beach. And it's not, she told me it's not particularly successful boutique. They're just kind of getting by and, and, and doing stuff. And, and they had a, had a room in the back that they had devoted uh, for an esthetician, whatever in the world that is. I have no idea. But anyway, that was her, her or his. I, I don't know if there's gender attached to estheticians, but nonetheless, they're, 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 and they couldn't get anybody to regularly occupy the space. In the meantime, this woman and her sister both become disciples of Jesus. This is in the, within the last year. They become disciples of Jesus and decide to invite Jesus in as a partner of their boutique business. So they devote that room, an aesthetician's room, to a prayer room. So now, she had a, had a, had a representative uh, come in from a, a, a clothing line to, 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 to talk. And, and, and my friend said, so, uh, do you have back problems? To the sales representative. Why? Spirit whisper. Just ask her. 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 How many know the spirit can be annoying at times? Just, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. We got work here. You want to partner with me? Get on board. Right? Just ask her. Do you have back problems? Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, it is. In fact, it's the back, back lower left quadrant, right? Yeah, actually, I'm going to my chiropractor right after this. Chiropractor won't be able to help you. That's not what's going on. Would you mind if, if we prayed for you? This is freaky. Bring it on. Healed. Before and after x-rays, Healed. 
Why? Well, the Spirit's up to something. This is what normal looks like when you're not afraid anymore what people will think. Hard conversations with a, with a lover. Hard conversations with a parent. Hard conversations with a stranger, with a friend, empowered by the life of the Spirit. Empowered by the life of the Spirit. And Peter and James and John and the rest of the disciples, we're getting the highlights real here, right? Please notice the text ends with them all being filled with the Spirit and speaking with boldness. Not just the ringleaders, not just the frontliners, not just the, the, I mean, we're not just talking the bench, we're talking the stadium. Now filled with the Spirit and in the game. Not watching it happen, but participants. Why? Because God loves the world so much, He is willing to send you. Not to die for it, we got that covered. But to bear witness to the one who died. Right? So this is going to look different. The life inspired, empowered by the Spirit is going to look different. But please notice, again, this pushes back against our terror. It pushes back against our fear. Because how much of what we do, start end where I finished, I, I started. How much of what I do, how much of what you do, is rooted in fear? What are people going to think? What am I not willing to risk? Because sometimes, have a, have a, have a close friend to whom the Spirit said to him, I... I you're just way too afraid of being retiring without enough money. And you're taking money that I want you to send and spend on some other things, and you're putting it into your retirement. And then he asked him, my friend said, one of the most frightening questions he's ever heard. Whoever said you were going to retire? You might die before you get there. Anybody else have the Spirit ask you? To... No? Because here's the news, folks. You're going to die. So far, the averages are against you on that one. So our fear of weightlessness keeps us from what? Dying? Our fear of other people's opinion keeps us from what? Dying? No. You're going to die. The question is not whether you're going to die. The question is whether you're going to live until you die. And it is our fear of weightlessness that disables our living. Our fear of, 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 of what might happen. Will I be enough? Can I have the... No, you're not adequate. No, you're not sufficient. Yes, you will fail. Yes, you will die. So what? If Christ has been raised from the dead, you have nothing to lose except your life. Peter, James, John, the rest. Because please remember, this time the Holy Spirit preserved them from the persecution. It will not be long before Peter's executed. Holy Spirit doesn't save him all the time. Doesn't protect him from hard things all the time. 
And it seems to matter not to Peter. He doesn't worry about not having enough money for retirement. And please notice, again, I'm not saying let's be idiots. We need to live wisely and well, but we need to live in the flow of the Spirit. What is he saying? What is he doing? Why? Because Spirit leaks. So, these are the same guys that a few days before had been filled with the Spirit. Now what happens? They need to be filled with the Spirit again. Why? You breathe out. You need to breathe back in. And when we do, we bear witness to the reality of Jesus. So, is life going to be safe? Probably not. If safety is your primary goal, my, my, my recommendation would be just to stay at home in bed. Pull the covers up, get, grab your teddy bear, right? And just wait, because you're going to die. Being afraid of dying will not prohibit you from dying. In fact, it may very well increase the likelihood. Right? Or, you can set sail on the seas. Who knows what glory might blow through the wind when your sails are set for obedience? Who knows what might happen when perfect love has driven out fear and replaced it with courage? And not just courage, with boldness. Now, that's going to look different for everybody. Right? It's going to look different for everybody. Nobody's probably likely going to stand up on the lunch table at the break, in the break room and give an evangelistic message. But it might be that you adopt a foster child. That takes courage. Doesn't it? It might be that you get involved... In meeting home, in, in, involved in homeless ministries or trafficking. It might mean, now here's the real scary one. Here's the real scary one. Everybody got your seatbelt fashioned? It might mean walking across the street and meeting your na- neighbor. You know that scary person over there? Jesus loves him, her, too. Can you speak the world word with boldness? Are we paralyzed with fear into inactivity and premature death? Your call. Now, who am I speaking to today? Me. I'm talking to me. Because this is so hard for me. It's so hard. Can I invite you? If you can't dance in the Spirit, to begin at least to shuffle a bit. Breathe in. Breathe in. Live with courage. The with Jesus life. Empowered by the Spirit. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.